represents all the power of heaven. Thank you, Father. The power to heal by the name of Jesus. The power to deliver by the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. That great name. Life in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for that great name. We thank you, Father, that it's available to us. Thank you, Father. Father, we just want to give you thanks. And tell you, Father, how thankful we are that you paid a great price to obtain a great name. being willing to pay the price to obtain that great name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the great blessings of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, we give you praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. We're thankful for the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, it was a great price that he paid to obtain that name, but the value that he gets out of that name is greater than the price that he paid for it. <clears throat> you know, in the natural world, people tell you that well, it takes money to make money, right? And what they mean by that is you have to invest sometimes a large amount of money in order to make a lot of money. And some people are unwilling to either obtain or to save up that great amount of money to invest it. And so they'll just kind of um, get, get by as best they can throughout their life and never really invest in those areas. Maybe they don't have the vision for it. Sometimes they don't have the grace for it uh, or the ability to do that, and that's fine, right? So we're not trying to disparage people. But Jesus looked out and said, well, if I pay this great price, I can get a name that's greater even than that great price. Uh, and nobody else was qualified to do that other than the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so we're here uh, today. Uh, was it the second or third week? That, uh, I guess maybe the third week we started on our new book here, Dr. McCrossin's book called uh, Bodily Healing and the Atonement. And so the purpose of this book that he wrote it was to answer the question, was healing part of the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. Of course, he uses that phrase, right? And it's not really a, a, the most accurate New Testament phrase to use. It's really an Old Testament word. I like to, to uh, make it a little bit more clear. Was healing paid for as part of the work of the cross? Uh, and that's a little bit easier to, to understand. And, you know, it's important because uh, if you look at all the blessings that we get from heaven, you know, not every blessing was, came about because of the price paid on the cross. Uh, and so, for example, if you look at the, uh, you know, we, we, know the, we know the scriptures many times in different places. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what, what is the Greek word for saved there? It's sozo, right? We know, we, we've talked a lot about that particular Greek word, sozo. And, and in the New Testament, there are three definitions for the Greek word sozo, or three uses of the name sozo. And one, of course, is 
to be saved, right? To be born again, to, to set your destiny in heaven. Uh, and that's really the primary use of that word. We know that that word also is used many times in the area of healing. Uh, Thy faith has made thee whole. Uh, and, and oftentimes where it says whole, that's the Greek word sozo. Uh, and so that uh, thy faith has made thee whole or thy faith has made thee healed. Um, but then also it means deliverance. So you remember when Peter uh, was sinking in the water and he said, Lord, save me. And he, and he said, uh, Lord, sozo me, right? He used the Greek word sozo. So he wasn't talking about salvation. He didn't need salvation uh, there. He needed to not drown. And he didn't need healing. He wasn't sick. He was just, uh, you know, had lack of faith, right, uh, in that moment. Uh, and so it, wa- it, it wasn't that he needed healing. He didn't have a toe ache or a headache or anything. He needed deliverance from the destruction that was trying to overwhelm his life. So, uh, and, and I was talking about, uh, the, had a conversation with a minister one time about this. He said, well, you know, prosperity was, was uh, uh, bought for us at the cross because of Sozo. I said, no, it wasn't, because uh, prosperity is not included in the Greek word so-so. So, uh, so the question is, well, does prosperity belong to the church? Well, of course it does, right? Because he said in, in 3 John verse 2, that I wish above all things that I mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. He said in Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom, and other scriptures like that, right? Uh, uh, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we know that prosperity is part of, uh, of the Christian walk, but it wasn't elevated to, be, to needing to be paid for at the cross. It's just a simple act of faith is all that's necessary to obtain prosperity and do what the Lord says to do, which is to give and it shall be given unto you. So it wasn't necessary for the Lord to pay a great price at the cross to obtain prosperity for the church, it's just a fringe benefit of being part of the family of God. So, and, and, and so while we appreciate prosperity, and it is a blessing from heaven, it wasn't necessary for Jesus to pay a price at the cross to obtain that. But there were things that were necessary for Jesus to obtain at the cross. Uh, one of them, of course, was healing, right? Because sozo is part of the Greek word, uh, or healing is part of the Greek word sozo, and uh, cleansing from all sin, right? The atoning uh, word that is often used in the Old Covenant uh, is a covering because in the Old Covenant they took the blood of the sacrifice and they covered up the mercy seat uh, uh, there in, in the holiest of holies. But in the New Testament, that blood washes away our sins. So we're not atoned in the New Testament. Our sins are washed away. Well, they're washed away by the blood that was spilled at the cross. So uh, removal of sins was elevated to being part of the work of the cross. Healing was elevated to be part of the work of the cross. By his stripes you were healed. But prosperity it was not necessary to elevate that to the being work of the cross. Uh, you could just do that simply by following God's word and, and following his plan. And so that, that's the whole point of this book is to answer the question, uh, was healing paid for at the cross? Because uh, there were a lot of uh, people with PhDs uh, and um, who were self-proclaimed experts in the Word of God who said that healing was not paid for at the cross, and so therefore the healing that we see in the, in the Gospels was a short-term uh, temporary fix that is no longer available to the church. Uh, there wasn't any outstanding 
given it shall be given unto you general faith promises of healing, at least that's what they said, that you could apply, heal, apply and obtain healing. Uh, and so therefore, the healings that we saw were not for us today. It ended, uh, they say sometimes when Jesus uh, left the earth, sometimes when the last apostle died, and they just kind of make up doctrine like that. Because when they look around the church, they see as much sickness in the church as the world. Uh, and so therefore, it must not be that God has provided healing for us. Uh, and so uh, anytime we build doctrine upon what we observe, it's going to be wrong. It's gonna, the foundation is wrong. It's going to be a weak foundation. We should only build our doctrine upon what the Word of God says. And then when we review our life and see, well, well the Word of God declares and, and strongly uh, states that I can live a life free from sickness and disease, but I'm not. So then I've got work to do. That's the conclusion you should come to instead of, well, the Word of God seems to imply that I could be healed, but I'm not, therefore the Word of God must be wrong. That is a terrible uh, conclusion to come to, which is to base uh, the Word of God and to judge the Word of God's accuracy upon your personal experiences. We don't judge the Word of God uh, and its accuracy based upon the things that we go through in life. But a lot of people will do that. They'll go through sometimes decades of sickness and disease and will come to the conclusion, well, that's just my lot in life to bear. That's just what, what the Lord wants me to bear in this life. Uh, and for whatever reason, he's trying to teach me something. Uh, and, and it's like, look, you've spent 30 years with a sickness. You're either really slow and, and just unteachable or your doctrine is wrong. Uh, and maybe both of them are true, right? I mean, sometimes they're both true, right? Because if you haven't learned after 30 years that God doesn't want you to be sick, you might be slow and unteachable. Uh, and so, not to really, you know, uh, step on anybody's toes in that comment there, but this is the way it is, amen? So, <clears throat> so we don't judge the Word of God by our, uh, our experiences. And so, uh, really what we should do is, uh, uh, is approach the Word of God with a humble attitude allow it to say what it says, and then review our life. Lord, am I living up to this? And if the answer is no, then Lord, what, what must I do to change my life, to increase faith, or to make adjustments so that I can live fully in what, what it appears that your, promise, what your word is promising me? Uh, and that's a good approach to take, amen, uh, is to evaluate your life in light of what the word of God promises and, and judge your own life Lord, am I living up to this? And if the answer is no, well, then do something about it. Amen. You, you can surely do something about it. Uh, and so he's starting out in, uh, in the book here and asking a question. And what's, what was the source of sickness and disease? Uh, and, of course, uh, he's coming to the conclusion here. Uh, starting at, He started in Romans chapter 5 and how uh, by one man sin entered in the world and death by sin. And so he went from sin to death, to sickness. So what, what is a primary, um, uh, when it talks about death, what, it, what is a primary way that, that death presents itself uh, in humanity? It's through sickness and disease, right? Because uh, death will, will ultimately be the result of all sickness and disease unless something intervenes. And usually, just from a natural standpoint, your body will intervene and deal with most uh, common sicknesses and diseases, right, without any medication uh, required. Uh, and so sometimes uh, if your body's unable to overcome the sickness and disease, you can apply medical uh, things to it, medicine or operations or surgery, uh, and that will deal with the sickness and disease. But sometimes 
your natural body is unable to overcome it. Uh, the medical industry is unable to overcome it. So you have to have a supernatural intervention. And that's where the healing power of God comes in. Now, it, it's not the best practice to, to try everything else first and then God. The best practice is to start with faith uh, and go that direction. Amen? And, and so you start with faith and then, uh, you know, uh, if you want to, then you can add uh, the natural aspects of uh, the medical industry to your life. Amen? Uh, and so, so uh, Dr. McCrossan is trying to answer the question, um, uh, is, uh, is healing part of what Jesus did for us on the cross? And of course, uh, I mean, we all know the answer to that question, right? The answer is a resounding yes. But uh, he goes through all the scriptures and he's making the, the, the doctrinal case based upon the word of God. This is why this is so. You know, and it's helpful for us because, you know, for us as, as people of faith, it's easy for us to decide and to know that God wants to heal us. Amen? Because God's a good God. Well, why wouldn't he want to heal us? And, you know, that, that alone is sufficient. But, you know, sometimes uh, if it's a big thing, you've got to be established in faith. You've got to be established in what does the word say? Uh, not just, you know, I mean, in general, it's good to have some general scriptures or the Lord is good. But, you know, that, uh, you, you have to have a foundation of the word in order to overcome big things in your life. Amen. Uh, and so, so he, he was talking about, uh, we, we went back to the book of Genesis and saw how sin was entered in the, uh, introduced to the world. And, of course, he made a comment, we, I think we mentioned this last week, that it was Satan who caused our parents to sin. And that's not a true statement, right? Uh, it was Satan who presented sin to our parents, Adam and Eve, but who chose to sin? They did, right? The, the devil didn't make them do it, because otherwise we got Flip Wilson doctrine, and, and we, don't, we don't believe in Flip Wilson doctrine, right? We believe in the Word of God. Uh, and so sin was presented to them, they chose to accept it and to, and to hook up with it. Uh, and so uh, it was their choice to, to do it. Whose choice was it to, to present the sin to Adam and Eve? Well, it was the devil's choice, right? Because he's, so he's the originator of sin. And if he's the originator of sin, then it makes him the originator uh, of what follows sin? Well, then death. Uh, and, uh, and if he was the originator of death, then, then how is death propagated through humanity more, more often than not? It's through sickness and disease. So uh, if you follow that course through the scriptures, it's clear that sin was, was introduced by the devil, uh, and then death was introduced by the devil, and then sickness and disease was introduced by the devil. So these things should not be difficult to accept or to understand, uh, but uh, uh, for some people they are, right? And of course that's the entire, entire purpose uh, of this book. And so he talks about uh, that the sin of disobeying God brought death, which it did, right? They had disobeyed God. He said, don't eat of the tree. And they chose to eat of the tree. You know, if somebody really, really smart tells you to do something and you just don't do it, you know, that makes you really, really dumb, right? And so Adam and Eve were really, really dumb. God created everything by speaking in existence. He said, don't eat of that tree. And, you know, and they said, you know, it'll be okay. People do that every day. Hey, don't do this. You know, they go to the doctor. Doctor, every time I do this, it hurts. Well, you know what the doctor's going to say? Well, don't do that, right? Don't, don't stop doing that, dummy, right? I mean, he, he would, you know, he, he's not going to say dummy, but he's probably going to think dummy, right? It's like, why would you do that? Every time you do that, it hurts. Uh, because sometimes we, I, I, I was with one family member, 
and they were in the hospital, and, and the doctor said, well, you know, th this is what's going on. Uh, and so then the doctor left, and I was talking to them. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Really, based on your how many years of medical experience and medical training and medical studies and degrees, how many degrees do you have? Well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, wow, that's, that's impressive right there, right? You're in bed sick, uh, and you're clearly sick, uh, and, uh, and it's serious, but somehow the doctor doesn't know what he's talking about, right? So, um, so we, we should listen to smart people. I understand doctors aren't always right. They are practicing medicine. They have a perfected medicine. Uh, but still, uh, practice does make perfect, and they, they probably know a lot more than we know just about the natural world, right? And I understand that, you know, uh, the book of Isaiah asks, whose report are you going to believe? The doctor's report may be a valid natural report, but does it override the report of God is our healer? No, it doesn't override the report that God's our healer. It's a report. Well, God has a report, and his report's better than the doctor's report. Uh, and so, you know, the doctor's report is as good as he can do in that moment, but it doesn't override the truth of the word of God. Amen? Uh, and so, so uh, he was going through and looking at the source of sin. How did this stuff get into the earth? Well, we saw it, right? Uh, the book of Romans tells us it was introduced by Satan by the approval of Adam. Uh, and so the Satan was the originator of it. Adam approved it uh, and allowed it to come into the earth. You know, you think of it, if Adam had just said no, he'd be with us today. We'd all be living lives, uh, wonderful lives on the earth. You know, I mean, you know, someday we get a new heaven, new earth, new body. What do you reckon we're going to do uh, at that point in time? We won't have the devil to fight. We won't be fighting each other. You know, I mean, what's there left to do in the earth? You know, no wars, no rumors of wars, no overcoming sickness, no overcoming poverty. I mean, what's there to do? I have no idea, right? But I guarantee you we'll be using faith. God used faith to create the world, didn't he? Yeah. So uh, we'll be using faith for something, uh, not spending our time uh, dealing with the devil anymore. He'll be uh, in the lake of fire forever. And so uh, no doubt we'll be doing things, good things at that point in time. Uh, but uh, then, then he starts, to, let's turn over to John chapter uh, 5 here. So then uh, he's trying to make the connection that sin and sickness uh, are related. And they are related, amen? Uh, and so the point that he, he wants to make here is, uh, are there examples in the Word of God where sin uh, occurs first and then sickness follows? Because uh, he wants to make the case that, that uh, sickness is an uh, offspring of sin. Uh, and that, that is true, amen? And the point that we've got to be a little careful about is, that's not always the case, amen? Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more of that as we go along. But here in John chapter 5, now in John chapter 5, uh, this is the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, this is an example of the sovereign move of God. The sovereign move of God is when God chooses to do something without our faith requesting him to do that. Now, uh, if, it's, if it's our faith, then it's not sovereign. In other words, God's not choosing to do it just because he wants to. He's choosing to do it in response to our believing him. And so uh, if an action of God is, uh, occurs because of our faith first, then uh, he is responding to our faith. And he does that on a regular basis. So many of the promises of God says, if you believe, he will do so, which implies, if you don't believe, then he won't do. Amen? 
So whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, what if you don't call upon the name of the Lord? Are you going to be saved? No, because the, the, the prerequisite is that you have an action that's required to be completed prior to the Lord doing his part. Uh, and so when people say, well, everybody's going to be saved at the end. No, everybody's not going to be saved because he said, you must call upon the name of the Lord. If you never call upon the name of the Lord, you will not be saved. Uh, and, and, and that's the way it is. He, who wrote the rules? Well, the Lord wrote the rules, and they're not hard to follow. Well, I don't want to call upon the name of the Lord. Well, then die. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, well, I don't want to, it's not fair. Why is it? It's just the easiest thing in the world to call upon the name of the Lord. People are like, well, I don't want to give anything up. He didn't ask you to give anything up. He just asked you to accept him. Amen? And then he will, he will eventually ask you to give things up, but it's not a prerequisite for salvation. Amen? Uh, I've, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. Well, I'm going to get my life in order and then, and then start going to church. That is a losing proposition. Amen? I mean, because first of all, the Lord never told you, well, once you're perfect, then you can be saved. Because none of us would have ever made it. Amen? In fact, none of us would still make it. Amen? I mean, I know some people who think they're perfect, but they are not perfect. Amen? And they would, they would never qualify to be saved, even today. Uh, and so, so this is a sovereign act of God because uh, he, Jesus asked the man in, in uh, verse 6 of John chapter 5, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said on him, will thou be made whole? And, and, and so what did the man say? Sir, I have no man, right? And so was that the question that Jesus asked him? It was a yes, no question, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, and maybe the guy was under pressure that Jesus was going to say, well, you know, then you, you do something about it. Uh, if you want to be made whole, make sure you get down to the water first. And so maybe he was preempting what he thought Jesus would ask him, but of course that's, he was wrong. Uh, and so what did Jesus say? After he complained that it's not his fault, that he's not well, uh, Jesus said uh, in verse 8, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took his bed and walked, and the same day was the Sabbath. And of course that made all the uh, religious people mad. So, but you come down uh, here... Uh, of course, he got, he got in trouble there because the man, the man was carrying his cot and all the religious Jews were like, you can't do that. It's like, well, the guy that healed me said, take out my cot and walk. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to do what the man who healed him. He could care less what the people in the long robes and the fancy dresses said. Uh, he's going to do what the, the man healed him. I can care less what you say. And that, you know, he had a great attitude in that. My favorite guy is John chapter 9, the blind man. You know, he, he's my favorite guy because uh, he said, it is a marvelous thing. <laughs> that you have no idea where this man came from. Uh, and so, uh, but he says uh, in verse 13, and he that was healed wist or knew not who it was for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a, a multitude being in that place. So when Jesus appeared to this man at the pool of Bethesda, not in a supernatural appearance, he just walked up to the fellow. Uh, you know, this man didn't know who Jesus was. Now other people knew who Jesus was, right? The woman uh, with the issue of blood or the... Uh, um, yeah, with the woman with the issue of blood, sought for Jesus, for she had heard. She had heard of Jesus and came in the press behind him. Uh, she had heard how Jesus was the healer. So she found him. Other men, blind Bartimaeus, you know, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. We know that you're the healer. Uh, and so other people had heard him. This man had never heard of Jesus. So when Jesus came and healed him, he didn't know who he was to begin with. And after he got healed, he just did what Jesus told him to do. He's like, he's a man in a crowd. You know, he couldn't pick him up from a crowd. So it says, because uh, after, you know, Jesus didn't heal the man and go, hey, I healed this guy. 
But you all see what I did? No, he, he just kind of walked away into the crowd uh, and didn't make a big show of it. Uh, and so it says he conveyed himself away and a multitude being in that place. So he just kind of went back into the crowd uh, and didn't make a big fuss about it. But later on, it says in verse 14, afterward, Jesus findeth them. Now, you think about that. Jesus found them to begin with and, and healed him. And then Jesus, the son of the most high God, went and found them again. He was, this man was found twice by the Lord Jesus. Uh, you got to, uh, this man may not have appreciated how valuable this interaction with Jesus was, but this didn't happen very often. And for this to happen, uh, really, uh, the, the Lord Jesus really thought a lot of this person, really wanted to be a blessing to this person. Uh, and so he, afterward, he found him in the temple, uh, and so that the man was in a good place, right? He went to the temple. So uh, at least he's trying to now follow God. Uh, but he said, uh, in the temple, behold, uh, thou, uh, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come, up, come unto thee. And so now the man knew it was Jesus, right? Because it says in verse 15, he went and told the Jews that uh, it was Jesus who had made him well. Uh, and so now they really were mad at Jesus, right? Now they have a name to be mad at. Uh, but it's interesting here, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. So whatever this sickness that this man was involved with uh, was somehow due to some sin that he was involved with. Uh, and so uh, notice that Jesus didn't come to him and say, uh, if you repent, I'll heal you. But he healed him, and this is now, uh, go and sin no more. Uh, because oftentimes what happens is people will open themselves up to sickness by committing a sin, and then they'll get healed, but they won't change their life. Uh, and, and very often the devil will come in behind that, and, and if they continue to live in sin, then uh, he'll come and double up on it if he can. And uh, isn't that what Jesus warned him? Be careful. You know, you, uh, I healed you by mercy, because it was, a, it was a sovereign act. It wasn't due to your faith. I healed you as an act of mercy. Was the man grateful? He was grateful. Amen. He was thankful for that. Uh, you could tell he went to the temple and started worshiping God. And so he was thankful for that. And, uh, and so Jesus was, was teaching him here. Be careful. Don't go living back like you were living because that original sickness was caused by sin. And if you go back and open up the devil again, uh, a lot of times what happens when... when you do that, you, you'll have the attitude, well, I brought this back on myself. Uh, and you won't even try at all to overcome it. Uh, in fact, you'll accept it as being the punishment of God, uh, even though it's not the punishment of God, it's the punishment of your, of your own choices that you've made. Uh, and so, so Jesus was telling them that this particular sickness was due to, uh, was due to your uh, choices that you'd made prior to this moment. Uh, and so we're in John chapter 5, Let's turn over to uh, Mark chapter 2. We'll look at another example here. <clears throat> and so in Mark chapter 2, I generally prefer Luke's uh, version of this particular story, but we'll, look, we'll follow Dr. McCrossin's example here. <clears throat> uh, and so this is the story in Mark chapter 2 with, with the man who was born by his friends and um, took off the roof. Remember that? They took off the roof and uh, let his, their friends down uh, into the house. Uh, and it says in verse 5, uh, when Jesus saw their faith. You know, I like that statement, when Jesus saw their faith. You know, your faith is visible. Yes. People that are spiritual can see your faith. Amen? 
Uh, and so uh, Jesus saw their faith. Uh, he, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And, th and that's interesting, right? Now, for the, the man at the pool of Bethesda, did he deal with the sins uh, first? No, he, he just healed them first and then said, don't, don't, go, you know, don't go sin anymore because it's going to be worse if you do. Uh, for this man, it was necessary for sin to be dealt with first and then to provide healing. Because after he said, uh, thy sins are forgiven, uh, that, of course, made all the super spiritual people upset, right? But there were certain of the scribes sitting there in verse 6, reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak, thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, so if Jesus perceived that in his spirit, you know, Jesus said uh, in other places, I can't of mine own self do nothing. So when he perceived in his spirit what they were saying, he perceived that in his spirit by the Holy Spirit. Amen? He had no ability in and of himself. You know, if you, if you sense in your spirit something's going on, well, that's fine. But that unction of what's going on in your spirit was brought to you by the Holy Spirit. People in the world don't have the ability in their spirit to sense what's going on uh, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, they, when he perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier or which is easier to say to, uh, or is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. Which one's easier? Now, see, I've always thought, surely it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because, I mean, you can just fake it and say those words, right? There's nothing in the natural realm that would be able to, to say, well, I've said your sins are forgiven, but can you tell that? Can you measure that? So I've always thought this was an odd thing myself, but this, the super religious people knew how big of a deal it was, at least in that regards, how big of a deal it was to actually forgive your of your sins. And so they understood that it was really a, a serious matter to say your sins are forgiven. Uh, and so he said, which one's easier? And in their minds, well, it's got to be easier to do something in the natural realm than to do something in, in, in the realm of the spirit where your sins are, need to be dealt with. Uh, and he said, so which one's easier? Uh, it, but he said in verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power or authority on the earth to forgive sins, he said the to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, uh, and go thy way into thine house. Uh, and immediately he arose, just like the man at the pool of Bethesda, took up his bed, and went forth uh, before them all. Uh, and so they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never saw it in, on this fashion. And if you, if you go through the scriptures, especially the Gospels, uh, and maybe in the book of Acts as well, anytime you see in somebody in relation to sickness and disease, give glory to God, it was only ever after they received healing. Nobody ever gave God glory for the sickness in the Gospels or, or the book of Acts, but they oftentimes gave glory to God, not every time, but when they, if they ever gave glory to God, it was only after receiving healing. And so oftentimes people will say, well, uh, God may be sick for his glory. That is an unbiblical statement. There's no evidence that that ever occurred in the scriptures, and yet people will say things like that to justify the, them not getting healing, not justify themselves, not applying themselves for faith. Uh, and look, I mean, it's not, uh, uh, it's not to condemn people for that, but uh, don't excuse your lack of healing uh, to, to replace it with, this is for the glory of God. Amen? 
because the only time people gave glory to God was when they were healed. Uh, and so that, that's just two examples that shows that sickness can follow sin. So uh, let, let's turn over. He didn't cover this particular scenario there, but we'll look at it just to make sure we have a good balance here. Uh, go over to, to John chapter 9 here. So the question that we want to make sure we answer is, is all sickness and disease that occurs in someone's life, is it due to a sin that you've committed yesterday? Uh, well, and the answer is no, right? Because first of all, uh, you know, sin originally uh, brought sickness and disease into the earth, but now that it's here, you know, there's just germs flying around in the air right now. Amen? If you go lick that doorknob, you know, you might get sick. Amen? I mean, how many hands have touched that doorknob over there, right? You want to lick it? I don't want to lick it. Uh, and I believe in healing. I'm not going to lick it. You lick it. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of, lot of germs on that thing over there. Amen? Uh, and without the healing power of God, if you go and lick that, you know, you're probably, there's a good chance you'll get sick. Now, you may not. Your body may just take care of it, you know, without you doing anything. But you want to roll the dice on that? Besides that, it just sounds gross, doesn't it, right? Uh, and so, um, so since that time of Adam, now there's just sickness in the, in the air, right? And uh, people have done nothing wrong, no sin in their life, uh, saints of God oftentimes will get sick just because it's out there. And so that's why we need faith because, you know, uh, it, it's not your lack of, of sin that keeps you healed. Oftentimes people think that if I could just not sin, I can remain healed. Well, that's not a, you know, it's a good place to start, but all, sick, all sickness and disease is not, does not originate with you committing a sin yesterday. So that's not the best plan, amen, because there's nothing in the Bible that, that says if, if you're perfect, then you never have to deal with the devil. Uh, is, is the devil going to try to bring stuff into your life as best he can? He will, right? He's a criminal. He will come. You know, you know there's laws against stealing. You know that, right? People going, well, I was going to rob the bank, but I found out there's a law against that, so I'm not going to do that. Has that stopped every bank robber in the world? Have they ever gone, you mean you got laws against that? Oh, well, I was going to rob the bank, but I decided not to do that because you said I can't do that. You know, the devil knows he doesn't have a right to come into your life and put sickness and disease on you. But, you know, if you let him do it, he'll get away with it. You know, if, if they walk in the bank and, and give him a little note and they give him a bag of money, they'll walk out the door. Amen? You know, it's just like it used to be when you got on an airplane, I'd say, well, you know, if somebody hijacks a plane, just get your free trip to Cuba and then come back home tomorrow. No big deal until 9-11 happened and they started, you know, uh, uh, flying the airplanes into the ground and the buildings. Now every bubba in the world's like, no, I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to stand up against this. And, you know, the church oftentimes is told, well, you've got to be passive. You know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, you know, just, you know, that's just your lot in life to bear. No person of faith says, this is a life I will live. I will live a life free from sickness and disease, and I choose to live that way, and if it comes to try to attack my body, I will apply faith and overcome this. And if the Lord reveals to me that it was originated because of sin, then I will first repent, and then I'll still overcome it. Uh, everybody that Jesus approached that said, your sickness is due to sin, they all received uh, forgiveness and then received their healing. So why can't we do that as a church? Amen? Oftentimes, if we feel like our sickness is originating from sin, we will just accept it as that that's our punishment for sin. You know, Jesus paid the punishment for sin. What was his punishment for your sin? Going to the cross. Is he going to go to the cross anymore? 
So that means that if you commit a sin tomorrow, has that not already been paid for? That punishment that that sin is due, is due and worthy of, didn't Jesus cover that punishment at the cross? So all you have to do is, when you're, when you're repenting of your sin, you're really just receiving the work that he did at the cross on your behalf 2,000 years ago. That sin that you're going to commit tomorrow has already been paid for. So if you, if you choose to commit it, and then that opens up the door to sickness and disease, well, surely you can go, well, Lord, you, I know you paid for that, sick, that sin back here, so I'm going to repent and receive that, that payment for that sin. I'm not going to earn that, that payment for that sin by my good works or even by my repentance. I'm just receiving the work that you've done at the cross and then remove the punishment of that sin out of my life, and then that gives me, uh, that puts me in a place where I'm qualified to receive your healing power. Uh, and, and why that's so hard for the church to understand, I don't know. Amen. Uh, and so the devil will oftentimes come to people and put sickness and disease on them where they didn't do anything to begin with. If, they, if the people allow him to do it, he will do it. If, if the banks allow the bank robbers to come and just take all their money, they'll do it. You know, it used to be if there was a guard, the guard would do something about it. But nowadays the guards like, are told, you know, don't defend the bank. Well, why is he there? <laughs> you know, they got, they got security people in, in, in stores and, uh, you know, you, you've heard this, read the same stories I've read. A security guard at a store of some kind, you know, like a drugstore or something. People are stealing stuff and they go try to intervene and they get fired. Well, don't intervene. Well, why am I here? Well, are you just observing it? Well, that's what they make cameras for. I don't have to, you know, but, you know, we live in a crazy world now. Uh, and so, uh, but here we've got the story. Uh, this is in, in John chapter 9. And, and I always try to find an opportunity to tell the story because it's one of my favorite stories here, right? Uh, it says here uh, in verse 1, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or what? His parents, that he was born blind. Now, when did this man become blind? At birth. So when would the man have sinned to cause this blindness to occur? Is he like, you know, brand new baby and you go rob a bank as soon as he was born? Hang on, doctor, I'll be right back. And go, you know, I'm a baby. And he takes his baby rattle and, and, and uh, shows it to the, to the teller. Give me all your money. And then, of course, she quivers and gives him all the money because he's got a baby rattle. Uh, no, that didn't happen. Uh, if you go back and, and do some research, uh, the, the, the theory of the Jews at this point in time was uh, you existed prior to your arrival on the earth and you committed a sin somewhere else. Not quite the same as reincarnation, but it's very similar. Well, there's no doctrine for that. Uh, you know, there's no Bible. You know, people's, uh, the Bible says that God is the father of all spirits in the book of Hebrews. So humanity is created at the point of conception. We don't exist as a spirit somewhere else prior to coming to the earth. The only person who did that was the Lord Jesus. He was existing before. Remember, he said he was, he was here before Abraham and, and our fathers. So Jesus did, but humanity, we're all created at the moment of conception when God creates that spirit man, the moment that our physical uh, uh, body is initiated through, through conception, uh, and uh, that's our beginning. We don't have a beginning prior to that. There's no evidence in the Word of God that's, that shows that, amen? Uh, the Bible does talk about how he knew us uh, when we were in our mother's womb, but it never says that he knew us before we were in our mother's womb, uh, and now he knew about us, but he didn't know us, right? We didn't exist prior to that moment of time. 
Uh, now, he's known about you from before the foundation of the world. Someday, on this particular day, this person will be born, and nine months prior to that, uh, I will create their spirits and put them into, into their physical bodies as they are developing in that womb. Uh, and so, and that's true, but, there's, but the Jews didn't believe that. The Jews believed that you could commit a sin prior to you arriving on the earth, and then that caused you to have issues when you were born. Well, why do they come up with that theory? Because humanity desires to know and understand why things work. But the problem is we're too, too ignorant to actually understand how these things work, so we make it up. Well, they were born blind, so there's got to be a reason for that. You know, I, I bet I know what it is. I bet, you know, before they were born, you know, they, they robbed a bank in, in the realm of the Spirit somehow, and, and, and that's why. And, and, and the Lord's like, no, that's not why. You made that up. Well, I know I made it up, but I, I, need, to, I need to understand why this happened. And so they desire to know why, and if we would be good students of the Word and search the Scriptures, the Scriptures answer these questions for us. But we don't want to do that. That's a, that's a lot of work. I mean, you've got to read stuff, and you've got to look up words, and you've got to cross-reference things. And we just make, it's just easier to make it up. You want to make it up? Let's just make it up. And so that's why they did. They just make up, story. They make up stories uh, here. Uh, that, that, that the man sinned before he was born. That's what caused him to be born. Or his parents, right? Uh, and so now parents, parents can commit sins, and it can inflict problems upon their children. How many children are born with, with uh, problems, especially like drug-addicted drug parents, uh, and they, they pass the, that drug addiction, right? On, you know, a lot of infants are born with a drug addiction, and they'll go through withdrawals, you know, because they can't get a fix after they're born, uh, and, and there's a lot of, a lot of difficulties, a lot of, a lot of defects uh, occurred because of things that parents did prior, oftentimes sin, but sometimes just medical reasons. Why? I know uh, my oldest brother, was born with, uh, he was born without, a, without a half an arm. And back in that day when he was born, he was born, what, 1948 or so, uh, there was a lot of, uh, of medicine that, that uh, mothers were taking for uh, uh, morning sickness. Uh, and, uh, and it was really good at, at uh, relieving the symptoms from morning sickness, but what the doctors figured out after a period of time, it's like, yeah, that, it's really good, but you know, Children are being born missing legs and arms. So uh, let's not do that anymore. Let's not use that medicine. And so they, they quit prescribing that medicine, of course, because they realized, yeah, it does help over here, but it also causes grave uh, uh, problems with the children. So it wasn't due to sin. It was just due to, to lack of understanding medicine. Um, and so that's why, you know, if a doctor tells you to do something, always check your spirit man because your spirit man knows everything. Amen? And if the doctor says, take this medication... And your spirit man says, run. I mean, you know, you've got to have confidence in your spirit man, of course. And have you trained your spirit man to hear correctly from heaven? But, uh, you know, not your mind, right? Well, I don't take that medication. Why not? Well, because, you know, big pharma and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, that's just your mind, right? Uh, but if your spirit man says, run, then you should run. Amen. Well, it, this works. Well, I, you say it works, but, you know, uh, that guy's over there missing a leg. Yeah, but he's got the other one. You know, I mean, you know, it's 50-50, so, you know, it's all right. Uh, so, so the question was, this is, this is a, this sickness of not being able to see, was it due to sin? So that's the question, right? They're asking it. And so, of course, they're, 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 their suspicion is somebody's at fault. Uh, and, and that's oftentimes a church will, again, make up doctrine because we want to answer the question, what caused this? 
And that's a fat, fair question, but you know, oftentimes we come up with the wrong results, wrong, wrong uh, answer to that question. And Jesus said, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, uh, but that the works of God should be manifest. Now, of course, there was no, there was no punctuation. There was no commas and periods. And uh, uh, in, in actually, in the original Greek, there wasn't even spaces between the words. And so, you know, the way they punctuated this sentence, to me, is not really accurate because it should have said, should have been a period there, uh, neither has this man nor his parents. Uh, and then period, but that the works of God must sh uh, should be made manifest in him, I must work the works of him that sent me. So he's saying that I've got to do these works so that the works of God can be manifested. People imply, say that this implies that God made this man sick so that he could do the works upon him. Well, that's, that's crazy talk, right? God's going to put sickness on somebody so that he can just go heal them. Well, well then, he, uh, then he's the originator of sickness. Well, is he the originator of sickness? How could he be the originator of sickness? Where's he going to get it from? Uh, and so, you know, you've got to be careful. Uh, and again, if, if, I mean, you don't have to take my word for it. Go look up the original manuscripts uh, of, of John chapter 9 and the original, how they were actually written on page. And you can see there's no punctuation. There's no, there, there's no spaces. There's no commas. There's no periods. And so uh, uh, now the translators, as best they could, said, well, this appears to be the end of a thought. Let's put a period here. But on a, on a pretty regular basis, they got it wrong. Uh, and so, you know, you, you've got to uh, look at it and discern for yourself what's the best way to read these things. So Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh and no man can work. Uh, and so then uh, he says, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the, of the blind man with clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which uh, is, is by interpretation sent. And the man went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. So this is a great story, because the Lord did tell him what to do. So what if the man said, You know, I don't need to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Of course, uh, I think Jesus helped motivate him because he spit on him. Yeah, that's the first thing I'm going to do is go wash, right? You spit on me? Yeah, where's a, where's a bathtub, right? Uh, I mean, who wants to hang around with being spit on, right? Uh, and so maybe that's why Jesus did that, to motivate him to go actually wash, right? Uh, because especially in, in, in the, uh, uh, the Old Testament, being spit on, you were unclean. Uh, and so you, you were ceremonially unclean. So it, uh, the result is you would have to go wash uh, in these cases. So the man did that. And of course, now there's a big there's a big commotion, right? So the rest of the chapter there um, uh, is all about the man going to uh, the Pharisees and them questioning him, and then he questions his parents, um, and they come over there uh, in verse 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received this sight until they called the parents of him that had received the sight, and they asked them, saying, "Is this your son?" whom ye say was born blind, how then does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, and he shall speak for himself. So his parents were kind of cowardly in this because it says in verse 22, These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. 
Not because they believed that to be so. They knew who it was. They knew it was Jesus who had done it. But they didn't want to tell that, well, oh, yeah, it was that guy over there. He, we believe in him. And, and, and uh, well, we're not saying that because they said, for the Jews had agreed already that if any should confess that he was the Christ, that Jesus was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. How many times are we pressured uh, from social pressure, or peer pressure, to say or do something because we're ashamed of the truth? Uh, and, and peer pressure is such a, uh, such a constraint in the body of Christ. Oh, you're one of those tongue talkers? Not me. I don't speak in tongues, you know. Even though you're, you know, you're shundai shundai every day, but, but not when anybody's seeing. And oh, I'm not one of those... Oh, I'm not one of those holy rollers. Oh, you go to that church. No, I don't go to that church. You know, I go to this, you know, comfortable church over here because uh, I don't want to be thought like that. Uh, and, and that's his parents, right? They were concerned that, uh, oh, yeah, he's got to be the Messiah because the Messiah was the guy who's going to fix everything. Uh, and mostly they were thinking natural things, but also, you know, it's got to be the Messiah. Who else would do this except for the Messiah? Uh, and so they didn't want to be put in a position that they had to answer that Jesus was the Messiah. So they just acted ignorant. We don't have any idea. You know whose parents are born blind. Who's, who's carrying them around everywhere? You know, it, back, back in this day, it was your parents. There was no, you know, uh, association of the blind, groups around anywhere. There was no government assistance for the blind. No walking sticks or, you know, anything like that. It was your parents. If you were born blind, then, then you basically stay with your parents till forever. Uh, and so... But they didn't want to answer for them. You know, go ask him uh, yourself, right? Uh, he's of age. Ask, th- ask him. Then again, verse 24, they called, the, uh, uh, called they the man that was born blind, uh, or that was blind, and said on him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Uh, so now, because they're, they're, they hate Jesus, right? We're on chapter 9 of John, so they already have spent much time hating on Jesus. Uh, give God the glory. This man's a sinner. And, of course, now he's a blind man. How, how much training has he had uh, in, in doctrine and in studying of the Old Testament scrolls? Well, none, because he's blind, right? And, and pretty much back then, if you had any kind of sickness or disease, you were just kind of cast aside out of society. You were, there weren't special programs for the blind. There's no Braille. There's no school of the blind. You were just stuck, right? I mean, you're just, if you're beggar or poor, you're just stuck. You know, you there was no programs to we got to assist the, the, the weak and the needy. Uh, you're just kind of stuck, and you've got no opportunities in life to advance yourself in any way. Uh, and so he, he wasn't a scholar of the, of the Old Testament law. He was just stuck with his parents. Uh, and so give God the glory. This man's a sinner. Uh, and so, so the blind man now, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know is where I was blind, now I see so, you know, I don't know, it's just all this complicated stuff you're trying to say, he's a sinner, I don't know, but I was blind, now I can see, right? And so he's like, let's just boil it down to what's obvious. I was blind, now I see. This, there's got to be something going on with this fella. This is not rocket science, right? Well, he, he's not the Messiah. How could he not be the Messiah, right? It's a, to me, it's the oddest thing why there's a single Jew left in the world who doesn't accept Jesus. How is that even possible? And they go, well, you know, the Messiah is blah, 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 blah. It's like, what? No, the guy's blind, now he sees. How is that not the Messiah? Well, you know, brother, there's got to be a lot more to it than that right there, right? And they'll give this big, long, flowery explanation of, and they, they did, right? That's what they did. They said unto him again in verse 26, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And the blind man answered in verse 27, I've told you already. 
Did you, you did not hear. Where, wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Now he's just sticking it to them, right? Because he, know he knows that they hate Jesus, right? They've already made it clear, we hate Jesus. Oh, you want to be his disciples too? This guy must have been something awesome, right? You must have been awesome guy. Because, you know, some people, when they go through uh, difficulties in life, it's like, look, I, you know, I got no problems, right? I mean, I know I'm blind, but at least I'm not, you know, missing a leg like that guy's over there. So a lot of times they live, with, they learn to live with their circumstances and just, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, and so now, now he's really, uh, you know, these Pharisees, you need to cross the Pharisees, right? I mean, they could cast you out of the synagogue. That's what they said, right? Well, we're afraid, well, the parents were afraid of the Pharisees. This blind man, he's got no fear. I love this blind man, right? He is fearless. Now, you want to be his disciples too? And they reviled him. Right? They reviled him and said, Thou art his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. Right? They love pulling out Moses. We know that God spake unto Moses, as if for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. And so did the man back down? No, he doubled up. I love it. The man answered and said to him, Why, herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. This is a marvelous thing. He did a spectacular miracle. You have no idea where he is. That's a marvelous thing. Uh, and he says uh, in verse 31, Now we know, this is the blind man still talking, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doth his will, he heareth him. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? And that's true. We have no... We have no uh, uh, stories of a blind man being healed in the Old Covenant. We hear all, we, there's all kinds of other stories, right? we got leprosy being healed. Uh, we've, we've got even people raised from the dead. But no blind man has ever been healed but this, at this point in time. Uh, and so, so he does know something, right? He, he says, from the world that began. Uh, he said, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. So it, it's like, look, use your brain. Right, use your brain, all you Pharisees. Uh, and they answered and said unto him, Thou was altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Because he really embarrassed them, right? This guy who knows nothing embarrassed them. And, and then I love, I love the next verse. Jesus heard that he had cast him out, and when he had found him. So again, Jesus is looking for people. Now, he's looking for the man that, that uh, uh, got healed at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, out of sovereign will, but he's looking for, I, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go find this man too. Where's the blind man from John chapter 9? You, I want to shake your hand. I can't wait to meet you. You're the man, right? You're, you're the man who, who, uh, who, who uh, stood up to the Pharisees. And, and Jesus likes to find people like this. Where's this man? I've got to go find him. And he found him and said, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered him, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? Why did he say that? Because he couldn't see Jesus. Right? He was blind, so Jesus healed him. Actually, he didn't heal him. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so he didn't know who he was. Uh, he just, you know, uh, he, he knew somebody did it. And so now Jesus is saying, do you believe in the, in the Son of God? He said, who is, I'll, I'll believe in him. Just to point, point in that direction. I'll believe on him. And Jesus answered him and said, uh, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee now. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Right? It didn't take anything for this blind man to worship Jesus. Who, who is he, Jesus? Uh, I'm, I'm the one healed. Oh, you got to be the Messiah. I'll worship you. Drop up a hat right now. I'll do it right now. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. I'm going to do it right now. 
Uh, and so I, I just, I love John chapter 9, one of my favorite stories in, in, in all, the, all the Gospels there. Uh, and so Jesus went on to talk about some other things, about the Pharisees, about being blind and all that. Uh, but the whole point of this particular story is we read the other two stories where sin was a precursor to the sickness, but in this case there was no sin that occurred. It just occurred. It just happened. And so, you know, if you ever get sick, you know, if, if sickness ever arrives in my life, first thing I'll usually do is, Lord, was there a cause, right? Did, did, did I do something, uh, commit some infraction against your will and plan that opened up the devil, uh, opened up the door for the devil to bring sickness into me? And, you know, oftentimes the answer is like, no. Okay, well, that's fine. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. It just means that in that particular thing, there was no originating sin that brought the sickness in, sickness in my life. And so, okay, Lord, then that means there's nothing else for me to do other than now just believe you for my healing. Because if he says, yes, what you did yesterday, what you said or what you did or how you acted, whatever, that was the sin that caused the sickness to come into your life. And so then I was, well, then, Lord, then, then I'll repent of that first, and then I'll get my healing. Amen? You know, I've told you the story many times, and, and it will go about when I got sick on, when we went on a trip to Florida, uh, we got uh, uh, we got food sickness, and uh, we got food poisoning. Uh, me, me, and, and one of the kids, and um, you know, I spent all night long with my face in a place where it doesn't belong. Right, just uh, everything I ate was coming back up. Right, it's going the wrong direction, uh, and and I didn't I didn't overcome it. Right, I was I was puny for like t- two or three days after that. Just you know, as it worked through my system, uh, and, and you know, well, it is what it is. Right, I mean, I, I just went on. But about two or three weeks later, I was back home, and, uh, and that same gurgling feeling started showing up. You, ever, you know, you get something wrong, and then the same thing happens twice in a row pretty quickly. He's like, oh, well, yes, that's the same symptoms that I had just recently. And so I knew uh, that uh, in a short order, I was going to be losing all the food that I'd eaten at lunch. And so we, were, we happened to be at church at that point in time. We were, uh, we, uh, church was... Uh, well, I think we'd done praise and worship practice. I was on the praise and worship team. Uh, and so we had a break usually between practice and the service. So I went up to one of the uh, private rooms there at the church. And I was talking to the Lord. So, Lord, um, last time this happened, I wasn't able to overcome. And so I need to know if there's a reason why I wasn't able to overcome. Because I don't want this thing to, to continue on its progression of where it's going. I know where it's going. I know what's going to happen. And so, Lord, was there a reason? Was there a cause for this to happen? Uh, and the Lord said, yeah. He said, when you were in Florida, you wanted me to heal you so you could brag to your friends that were with you about how spiritual you were. No, Lord, that's not so. There must be another reason. <laughs> you know, when the Lord tells you you're wrong, don't, don't argue with him, right? Because he's not going to be like, you're right. I, I didn't mean to accuse you of anything. Uh, I take it back. Is he ever going to do that? No, if he tells you you're wrong, what's the, right, what's the correct response? Yes, Lord. Right? That's the correct response. Not, uh, nay, Lord, it was not I. Uh, it, it was uh, you know, that, that woman you gave me. It was her fault. Uh, and see how that works. Right? And so the Lord said, yes. In this case, yes. There was a sin. The sin was pride, right? I wanted to be prideful about showing how spiritual I was and how, you know, the, I'm the man, right? I can get healing. And if you were a man like me, you'd get healing too. Uh, and if you grow up, be, grow up and be spiritual like me, then you can overcome sickness. Uh, and, and it wasn't like I wrote that down. Anybody ever write stuff like that down? I plan on doing this. Nobody plans on doing that. But in the moment, you know, and, and he showed me, he said, your heart was just, 
just off a little bit, right? Because it wasn't like it was a, it, that was a, the primary goal, but I wouldn't have minded if I got healed so I could just add a little bit of, you know, show people how spiritual I was. So it wasn't like, you know, I'm planning on getting sick so I can get healed so I can show. No, nobody does that. That would be dumb, right? Uh, and so I didn't do that, but still my heart wasn't exactly right. He said, it's just a little off. You were a little off in that. You wanted, you wanted to be healed so that you can kind of walk around with your chest puffed out about how spiritual you were. Yes, Lord, uh, you're exactly right. I still try to blame somebody. Well, but it's their fault, Lord. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. But, uh, but so I said, well, okay, Lord. Then if that's, if that's true and I, and I was the originator of, the, of that sickness uh, progressing in my body, then I ask you to forgive me. What else are you going to do? There's no other recourse, right? The only recourse is the Lord is to repent, right? Lord, I ask you to forgive me uh, for, for trying to obtain glory. So that's what I was trying to do, right? Well, who's the only one worthy of glory? Jesus. And we all know that, but we wouldn't mind getting a little glory. And we don't want all the glory because, you know, we're not qualified, but we wouldn't mind getting a little, just a little glory, right? Because, you know, I mean, it'd be nice to shine when, when pe so people can see us, right? Because, you know, we want to be seen. And so, uh, you know, we're not trying to get all the glory. That would be, that would be disrespectful. But, you know, we wouldn't mind getting a little glory. Uh, and so, no, you've got you've to burn that out of your heart, right? You, you, we're not qualified to receive any glory, zero, right? We're dirt made out of clay, amen? You ever go to the clay and go, wow, you're so awesome? No, nobody does that. You walk on, I don't even think anything about it, amen? Uh, and so, Lord, I, I, I repent, Lord. I ask you to forgive me for trying to obtain glory. You're the only one worthy. And we know that, but it's good to remind ourselves about that, amen? Uh, and so I finished repenting to the Lord. And I just waited just, you know, just a few seconds. So, Lord, we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Well, then, in the name of Jesus, this is not going to uh, progress to its, to its end. Uh, and then within a few minutes, I just dissolved. It went away and, and, and didn't, re didn't return. And whatever I ate that, that day at lunch uh, stayed down like it's supposed to. And I was fine after that. Uh, and so, you know, that, that you, you can do things that cause sickness to come into your life. But er every single time, it's not the case. Amen. And so it's good to ask the Lord. That's my, my whole point is ask the Lord. Well, what if he says it is? Well, then repent. Did, I mean, didn't he cover the sin before? And say, yeah, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of the sin first, and then I'll still heal you. Well, why is that such a problem? Just do it, amen, uh, and, and get healed. And so that's the whole point of it. And so uh, ultimately, Satan is the author of all sickness, amen? He is, uh, he is, the, he is the author of all sickness. Uh, and so... Um, and we'll, we'll look at next week about how he uses some particular words about rebuking sickness and the devil. Uh, we're out of time for today, but we'll pick that up. And so he, he's going to go through, Dr. McCrossin's going to go through and, and make the case, look, you go through all the word of God, look through all the scriptures, and I'll prove to you that the cross was, was payment for our healing. Wasn't, that wasn't the only payment on the cross. Our sin was paid on the cross. Our redemption was paid on the cross. Our born-again experience was paid on the cross. But our sickness was also paid for at the cross. And if it's at the cross, then he's elevated that high. Amen? Prosperity was not. But it's still prosperity is part of, the, uh, of our uh, inheritance. But it wasn't paid for at the cross. So it's important, but it's not, not as big of a deal. It didn't require as much payment as healing did. Amen? And that's the case for this book that we're going to be looking at. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that we are the healed of God. We have the right and the privilege to live in divine health. And, Father, if there's any, ever any sickness and disease in our life, we will ask you first, Lord, is there a cause for this? 
Uh, and, and if your spirit instructs us that there is not a cause, we will receive healing, Father, by faith. And yet if your spirit does indicate, Father, that there is a cause of the sickness due to some sin or missing the mark in our life, we will first repent, and then by faith we will also then receive healing. Father, we are people of faith. We will believe you by faith for our, our forgiveness, and we will then believe you, Father, by faith for our healing. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Anytime I get to preach John chapter 9, I, I, I'm thankful. Amen. It wasn't in his book, so we just made it up right there on the spot. Uh, but it's good. Amen. Uh, herein is a marvelous thing. <laughs> Can you imagine how mad that would make them, them uh, fuddy-duddy Pharisees and how, you know, how insulting that a man not even, doesn't have a degree at all doesn't have any robes or phylacteries or, you know, no, nothing fancy about him at all. He's some blind man, probably poor, because if, you can, if you're a blind man, you can't work, and so you're kind of stuck. Uh, who are you? I'm nobody, but I've been healed by God, you know, uh, and that, that's pretty good right there, amen? Uh, that'd be a good, uh, a good badge to have on, on, uh, on your chest for that one, amen? Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Uh, and so... Um, We'll continue here with uh, uh, Dr. McCrossin's book, and um, uh, let's see, we've made it all the way to, uh, uh, what page are we on? Uh, I think we're on page two, oh, we're on page four of my notes. Wow, look, we're really progressing here. We're nearly done with it, amen? Well, come in, Mr. Jared, receive the offering, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and if you don't have a copy of the book, we'll get you a copy of the book. There's no charge for the book. It's uh, uh, public domain now. It was, it was printed in, or originally published in 1930, Actually, the third edition was, was published in 1930. That's the edition that we're using uh, for the class here. Uh, and so the, the printout that we have also includes the study questions as well. Uh, and so uh, I'd encourage you to read the book. Uh, ignore all the fancy. Uh, we go through all the uh, verb tenses and whatever. Uh, it can be complicated. Just read it for the information. Amen. Uh, and so, well, be blessed. Have, have a wonderful weekend, Lord. Stay dry. Amen. And then uh, uh, we'll see you next week.